Welcome to the Digital Marketing Masters Podcast with your host, Matt Rouse. So welcome, everybody. Digital Marketing Masters. Today, my guest, Katrina McKinnon. Katrina, how are you? Thank you for having me on the podcast today. I love your fabulous accent. Do you want to tell everybody where you're from? It's so funny that people say that because, of course, in my head, it's I completely, you know, normally, but I'm from Australia. So I'm from a, a tiny little town called Moss Vale, out about two hours out of the main cities. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I can see a couple of magpies on the line. There's kangaroos down in the paddock and the mist has just rolled into the valley. So as you can imagine, that's why I don't live in the main city. Well, I live in rural Nova Scotia in eastern Canada. We have deer and last night I was chasing an owl away from my chickens and... You know, so I, I can hear you on that part. So you are a copywriter by trade. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your company and what you do? And then we'll get into the AI side of things and where it's headed. Sure. So I'm actually the founder of a business called copysmiths.com. And I'm not actually a writer myself. I'm more of a marketer and SEO. I've always loved the content side of SEO and also e-commerce. But we've got this fabulous team of writers and what we call content helpers and SEO optimization. So we basically create handwritten content for humans. And um, but we use a little bit of AI to scale those processes and for quality checking. And, you know, there's a place for AI. And I think, um, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. I think it's very important to figure out for your organization where AI is going to fit in, mm, especially, yeah, totally. especially if you don't have any kind of people with experience in your company, that's going to be that's going to be a tough one going forward. You better get some people on the ball on that as soon as you can. So what was your company's kind of first foray into the AI world? I think it was really when ChatGPT came out. For a long time, we resisted using all those, you know, article generators. You know, Jasper was out for years. And then there was mm -hmm. also, oh, there's a few other tools as well that have been out for a while that use AI to insert keywords or tell you to optimize an article in a particular way. And I've always thought that those tools leave a fingerprint. I've always thought, you know, if you're if if you're a you know a user of Jasper, other one, the name of it escapes me. It's one that anyway, I'll remember it at two o'clock this morning. But you know, if you if you're one of if you're an SEO and you sort of you're writing about, I don't know, physiotherapists and you want to write some articles about the physiotherapist and you're all using the same tool to all go after the same keywords and the key right. and the tool set, you need to use these 10 keywords and put them in these positions. There's a footprint, right? It's like mm -hmm. this absolute map for Google to come along and they, well, you know, you're just kind of spinning content to rank and that goes against its guidelines. So we've always steered clear of those articles. We've also got a bit of a social mission that we only hire writers in Kenya and I can talk about that as well. But, you know, the AI aspect of it was when ChatGPT came along and I ended up in this e-commerce community that I belong to called e-commerce fuel. And I ended up, um, we ended up speaking on the topic of AI and how to use it in their businesses. So that's really how we first started with it. And it was just, a, and I think, as you said at the beginning there, it's really just an exploration within a business of how to use it. And it's testing it and, and the people in your business, it's like, well, can someone test it like this or have a go at that? Or, you know, can we use it like this? And, you know, it's getting used to it and finding out where it fits. Absolutely. I mean, like you were saying, we used to use some tools. I think we used to use Texta. 
Um, we also used to use like Surfer and Ninja and a couple of those tools. You know, it's funny that you say everybody using the same tool leaves a footprint. I had this slide when I was talking to the Tourism Marketing Association of Canada, and it's just people all over this beach and they're all talking to each other saying how they're going to use this tool to be number one. And everybody's saying exactly the same thing and talking about the same tool. I mean, there's only one number one. Everybody using that tool can't be number one for the same keyword. How important do you think it is for your clients? You're talking about human writing. It's becoming more important. It's it's this funny little thing where we now have seen inquiries for from clients for can you fix my AI content? You know, they're recognizing that the snake can't keep eating its tail, you know, that Google doesn't want to eat its own dog food. The AIs, the large language models that come around and scrape all our content, they don't want to eat their own AI-generated content. They're looking for new ideas and they're looking for information gain. And that's one of the things that we do with our content is we're always trying to come up with very novel, interesting approaches to the way we present you know, mundane information to readers, you know, about particular topics. So we're finding that clients for a little while were saying, oh, you know, I'll just make all this content with AI. But then they're reading that content they're producing and it's it's not good work. So I sort of look at it this way, Matt, that, you know, everyone sort of, you know, when, when you're a content company, you're sort of at a slightly higher level to everyone else who's just producing from content mills, you know, just sort of garbage content. Now, everyone who is producing this garbage content thought, well, I'll use AI and I'll step up to this level here so I can do it myself, so I can do away with these content companies. Well, guess what? All the content companies, they can use the AI to step up as well. You know, and we use it for planning and ideation and, you know, just for sort of sanity checking our work to make sure we haven't missed a topic. But, yeah, I think that we're seeing just this slight tide coming back where people are recognising that there's, you know, we were talking about before the podcast, is this copyright issues coming through. So if we're scraping content in an AI for from a competitor, and which is a, what some of the tools do, you know, some of the tools call it background information, but really what they're taught doing is they're, they're pointing the tool at a competitor, scraping all the best ideas and, you know, some of the data out of that competitor to bring it back into their own article to compete. But again, you know, there's a lot of research that says, you know, if you want to grow a business, don't always, you know, sort of look in the rearview mirror at your competitors. Try to look forward and, you know, have a unique voice. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's true. And I think one thing of kind of note is that you know the ai that we're using now and i've said this a couple times recently you know the ai we're using now is the worst ai you're going to use right yeah yeah and they're just going to get smarter so like if you look at something like a gpt4 you have some experience with prompting and editing and telling it how to get the result that you're trying to get out of it it's still not going to be as good as a professional writer but it's going to be a lot better than the average content that comes out of a content mill. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you have some like GPT-5 come out, there's no way a content mill is going to be able to do anything but put out content from GPT-5, right? Because yeah. they won't be able to write better. But a human no. copywriter or, you know, like a professional writer is still going to be able to write better. And the other side of that, 
is, and I was talking with Beth Capes, who's a technical copywriter, a few episodes ago. When you have something that's new, you can't ask the AI to write your article, right? Like if it's a new technology or a new product that's never existed before, you can't say, oh, write me a product about the brand new you know, UFO hat that I created because it doesn't know what it is or anything about it, right? Yeah, that's what we've been saying as well to clients is um, you can now, like, it, it just means, AI just means there's a whole bunch of content you don't need to write anymore. So let's say I've got I've got a pen here and you, might, you don't need to now write what is a fountain pen because the AIs can answer that, Google will answer that for you. So it's actually taken a whole sort of range of content out of the mix that we don't have to produce anymore but if i was to say exactly like you said like if i've got a new fountain pen that's got a little torch on the top of it and it writes in sparkle unicorn colors you you have to have a creative copywriter who can sell that to the audience i do think that ai you know it's cheap and it's fast but so is mcdonald's you you don't want to live off mcdonald's to sustain yourself for a healthy life but there are certainly things that you can use the AI for. So I would say, let's say we're, we're you know, about to produce a new fountain pen. You can certainly use an AI to scrape loads and loads of reviews out of Amazon and to work out what the sentiment is about particular products and to work out what are the things that people like about fountain pens? What are the things they don't like about fountain pens? You can then address those, those ideas in your article about your new fountain pen because you can sort of say, well, we know that everyone hates that um, when the, this is a very simplistic example, but when the pen leaks. But a less simplistic answer might be the way that the weight of the top upper end of the fountain pen feels in your hand or the warmth or the coldness, whether it makes your hand cold because it's made of a material and maybe you've got a bit of arthritis in your hand. And so there'll be these unique scenarios that will surface out of scraping review information that you can use. So I think I think AI is an excellent researcher. And as you, know, as you point out, like this is the worst it's ever going to be. So it's a great researcher, but it doesn't, it lacks that interpretation aspect and it, it doesn't put the buyer into the picture. You know, they, they can't feel themselves using that fountain pen unless you create those words, those feelings. That's right. And there's, there's an intuitive nature to the LLMs because, I mean, they're built on a neural network, a predictive system. So sometimes it will make illogical but intuitive leaps. Yeah. I think one of the examples that I've heard is if you had to classify all men or all women as dogs or cats, what would you do? And the AI can say, oh, well, we think women are like cats and men are like dogs. And that's yeah. not a logical system, right? It's a it's an intuitive leap. However, the only reason it can make that leap is that those comparisons have been made in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. It can't make an intuitive leap. Something like my friend has a blueberry farm and I have a chicken named Blueberry and we're going to have blueberry ice cream at the fair. Then we're going to take yeah. blueberry to go with the blueberries to have blueberry ice cream at the fair kind of leaps of of illogic that it can't make yeah. you know yeah. it can't talk about like in writing it can't talk about how it how how will the outcome feel to the person who's getting the outcome because yeah. it doesn't understand any of those things right I'm amazed, Matt, at how, like, 
And I know this might go against the flow, but I'm amazed at how many people are putting a huge amount of effort into getting AI to write content for them. You know, they're SEOs and programmers and they are literally all searching for that magic bullet where they can manipulate the AI to produce the perfect article. And I and and it's the irony is those people are reading articles by leaders in the industry who are have original ideas. So you know, you can imagine you know, someone like Seth Godin, who's a very original thinker, there's just no way he's going to use AI to produce his content because no one would ever read it because we really, we truly want to follow a human. We aspire to be as successful as that other human because we are human. So there's this irony, this crazy irony that people are spending enormous amounts of time and energy trying to provide, you know, like Vasper, you know, trying to, in scale.ai, trying to build these businesses where they have the perfect output and yet no one really wants to read that output. Right. And, you know, this is, now this is something that is probably a step beyond most people's SEO understanding, but, you know, we're going to try and explain it in, in, a, in a way that's easy enough for everybody to get. So you have... Before large language models was natural language processing, right? Natural language processing, the way I like to explain it is if Katrina and I meet up in real life and we say, okay, well, we're going to go next door and we're going to get a couple cold ones. I didn't say the word bar. I didn't say the word pub or lounge or beer or cider or alcohol or cocktail. But natural language processing system knows that we're going to a place that's like a bar and we're going to have alcoholic drinks. I mean, if you drink, I don't know. But it knows that because it understands, you know, the what's around that. So when you have natural language processing built into the search engine, the search engine can read an article now without you specifically using the terms you need to use that are, you know, keywords, right? Like, we don't have to say that. I can say, you know, we're all going to go out and party at, you know, this place. And we still have not said the word bar. But Google's search engine understands that we're talking about going out partying and drinking and stuff, right? It understands from the context. And it understands from natural language processing. And now the problem is you have these tools where they're analyzing the words. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, we want to make sure all these predominant terms or phrases or words are in these headings or are in these paragraphs in these positions. But that's not how the search engine ranks anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. If you take all the stuff aside and you're just looking at content, you're not talking about context or backlinks or any of the other stuff. And you're just looking at content. It's reading the content and analyzing it with a natural language processor to figure out what the gist of the content is. And then it's looking at things like bounce rates and did a human follow through with the activity that would be expected from this content, right? So an example might be, if my article is to teach people about how awesome it is to go on vacation at this place and people don't book vacations at that place after they read the article, then it's gonna be like, okay, well, I'm not gonna rank this as high. And so these are all factors that you can't look at the words on the page and say, this needs to be like this to rank. 
Yeah. Because none of that's relevant. I'm just saying that over time, the search engine will catch up. It'll catch on to the game and then you're out of business. Yeah, there's some conjecture as to whether Google Google said in the past that they don't actually measure engagement signals. But I think that's that cannot possibly be true. One of the things that we do is we have dwell mechanisms. We have these two things called dwell mechanisms and conversion mechanisms in our content. It's so important that the person reading has a really good experience. And as you say, there's a lot of bot traffic that goes through the internet and just sort of clicks around and sort of mimics human behaviour for the purposes of, you know, getting ad revenue for companies, all this sort of thing. So there's a lot of bot behaviour. But humans will do unexpected things. So we have these, we put dwell mechanisms, like we will insert videos or we'll insert tables or call to call out boxes. We're now putting audio into all of our um, blog articles, creating an audio version, because we want that engagement, we want that dwell, that dwell time. And so also conversion mechanisms, like there's no action taken. Exactly like you say, if there's no action taken, then what purpose does that content serve and the action could be as simple as signing up to an email list or you know clicking a particular button to read another article but I totally agree with you that the AI content that we've seen so far and perhaps you know we haven't seen the best in the world you know AI content but the AI content that we have seen it's kind of lifeless it doesn't have it's not capable yet I know that Adobe's trying to build it where they're able to put all these conversion and dwell mechanisms in in a very clever way. And, of course, they will, and they'll, you know, be able to split test everything down to the, you know, down to the second. But it's a long way off. Until the Google that actually ranks the content changes its mind, and then all that's out the window window again. And I'll tell you something about, about those mechanisms, right? I know Google doesn't say that, you know, these types of signals matter to search rank, but they 100% matter, right? Like, Google also said that it's the quality of your content that matters most. And then somebody in an SEO competition won using WordPress template that was in Latin, just buying backlinks. Like Web20 Ranker on their SEO show last week, they did a test where they are using fake accounts to click through on Google My Business pages to websites and to make phone calls. And those yeah. businesses are outranking the, the competitors now. And that's the only change they made, right? So obviously the signals matter. And yeah. I think that you're right about it. The AI and, and these AI SEO tools are trying to get people to put the right keywords in the right spots, but they're not good at writing. They're mediocre writers. A mediocre writer or a mediocre article is not going to get the attention of your user on an internet that's has hundreds of billions of articles. Yeah. Even if it's human written, it won't get the attention. So AI written or human written, Google still won't pay attention. Um, you just reminded me there's another case as well where there's one of the affiliate bros has got an AdSense site and they received a quality penalty from Google. So the their AdSense account was rejected because the whole site was AI generated and Google was basically doesn't meet our quality guidelines. And that was that first. And that's that. It's this interesting thing that that's that one of these first ripples because I've seen, you know, all the affiliate guys are sort of who produce content and do it brilliantly, the lazy ones, they are using AI tools to produce thousands and thousands of articles en masse, publish them, put a bit of AdSense script on them, 
and trying to make money. And they're getting these, you know, they're getting these hits. They're getting this traffic, but I sort of think it's like um, it's like eating McDonald's every day. It's not a healthy life. It fills a hole for the moment, but you know when it all washes out, I just wonder where those sites, yeah. those affiliate well, sites, that are really PBN will be. Yeah, all that kind of stuff they're building with AIs. Right? Sorry, PBN is Public Blog Network. So that's where you put like a thousand websites that all link to each other, and then you publish content on all of them, and then use them all to link back to your quote money site. And, you know, those used to work back in the day. They don't work anymore, right? <laughs> you know, they're a disaster. Unless they're, like, human-written, which you can still do. You know, you can go put out 20 different websites on 20 different hosts that are written by 20 different VAs around the world, and no- nobody's ever going to catch you. That's a serious amount of effort, right? There better be a payoff yeah. at the end of that work, you know? And sometimes it's yeah. probably just easier to write a good article. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's a bit more straightforward. It's still a bit, you know, it's still challenging to um, write a good article, but it's worth it. The outcome's worth it. And, you know, I think where kind of the AI writing game is headed, it's going to keep coming. It's going to be, you know, the average business owner is like, I don't have time to blog. That's why I hired somebody in the first place. And if they can buy an app that does it for them, they're going to do it. When the phone stops ringing, then they're going to be looking for a human writer. And there's some ways that it's probably going to get better over time. If your company was only putting out, you know, content mill garbage to begin with, automated writing systems probably a step up. It's hard to say because there's so much weird stuff going on. And in the United States, if you write an article with an LLM like Claude or Bard or ChatGPT and you publish it, you don't have copyright over it. It's fascinating, isn't it, how that's going to play out over the next six months or so. You know, the law, as I was saying, you know, scraping your competitor's website for information to give you an edge. How's that copyright issue going to come? Are are we just going to get all these lawsuits all over the place from people just suing each other because they know that your scraper was on their, their site logs? Yeah, and I don't know how you'll ever be able to tell that because the AIs are scraping all the content anyway. But if you're a company and you have, you know, data or information or intellectual property that your company owns, you don't want your staff going dumping that into whatever AI tool they're using at the time when you don't know what the privacy rules are. You don't know if that AI is scraping your data and giving it to other people. You know, all these things can happen. You know, there's a privacy aspect for your company as well. As well as personally, you know, sometimes people are using these things. I know I was talking to a gal, actually a first episode this season, at EFAC Cohenon, and she told me she knew somebody who was using ChatGPT like a personal counselor for something that they were going through. And I'm like, but all that data is going, I know, I know they say your chats are private to you, but all that data is still going to them, right? Ooh, like, yeah, that's it's got somewhere. Can be some pretty private stuff that people share with those. Yeah, it's and, a new journaling uh, tool that's out on the market. There's a new journaling tool that's out on the market, and I was thinking, what happens with these tools when a teenager who's depressed or facing bullying at school, you know, these teenagers are using this tool for $5 a month or whatever and I, instead of paying for a human therapist. And, and I was thinking that that is a very tricky situation. If I was the founder of that journaling tool, that AI journaling tool, oh, my goodness, if I knew that there was a 14-year-old saying, oh, this is happening to me at school, what should I do? My life's not worth living. 
that's that's a big responsibility as a founder yeah. of those tools and does to your, be offering your tool, a service. Is your tool going to search for that and like call the authorities? And then is it going to accidentally call the authorities sometimes? Like, you know, somebody's trying to talk to it about writing a book about the Suicide Squad movie and suddenly the ambulance shows up at your house, you know? Yeah. There's some weird stuff that can happen there. And uh, Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know if you've seen the AI called Pi. And it's just a, a large language model you can install on your phone for free and you can just talk to it. And yeah, right. It's um, like, I don't know. Let's make up a problem and I'll ask it. Why not? We got a minute. Hey, Pi, if I was depressed, should I talk to you about it? Absolutely, Matt. If you're feeling depressed, I'm here to chat with you about it. Talking can be a great way to deal with difficult emotions, and I'm ready to lend a metaphorical ear. So if you'd like to talk about what's going on, I'm all ears or er, servers. You know what I mean. Hi. And just so you know, I'm not qualified to give professional mental health advice, but I'm here to chat with you and provide a listening ear. So I'm oh, they've, sure they've given the you the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> given right. you the disclaimer. So they're out. They're fine. They're totally protect, protected by law. So that's 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 fine now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be a strange new world, right? And we didn't even really get a chance to to talk too much about like the music copyright that we were talking about a little bit before the show. Of you know mm-hmm. what happens when you make a song with the voice of somebody who's deceased and the song is out of copyright, you know, who owns that? And who knows, right? There's all this stuff going on. They're going to have to change all the laws around copyright for sure. And, yeah. you know, what's going to happen when I have a AI system that I install on my own computer that's not server-based and I can tell it to create seventh Harry Potter book? I honestly don't know how many there are, but you know what I mean? like the next Harry Potter book, and it does. Do I have to pay them like a fee or something? (laughs) Or does it just write it for me? If I tell it to make a new Disney movie about a princess who's on an island and it makes it for me, do I own Disney? Who knows what's going to happen? It's a bit like one of these things where I always sort of say, with this new technology that's coming out, people have time. So, you know, in our e-commerce community, we've got this e-commerce community called e-commerce fuel. And a lot of people are getting nervous about the AI coming out in terms mm-hmm. of search engine ranking, you know, how do they rank? And I was, and we were sort of, I was saying to them, you can all just, everyone can calm down. Don't worry about it. What's going to happen? Like e-commerce is the engine that powers all these businesses without your advertising dollar. You know, they don't exist. They desperately need e-commerce businesses to survive. And I said, so don't worry about it. The agencies and these big businesses will find a path for you in order to spend your money with them. And so I think as long as you, I sort of always say, you know, let all the other lemmings jump off the cliff first. There's no hurry. So people will think, you know, this AI is going to give them an advantage somehow. You know, maybe there are short-term gains in some ways. Um, I do agree with that, short-term gains. But you, if you want to have your business in it for the long run, if you're thinking an e-commerce business, or your own business for a 10-year sort of play, don't be one of the first to jump off the cliff with these technologies. Just wait and see it how it plays out. You've got time. It's important to mess around with them and understand what they do yeah. and see if you have a use case for them. But yeah, you don't need to, you know, dive in head first and just change your whole business around. You know, stick to your core yeah. business, stick to what you're good at, try and find an AI that can take away the grunt work. Katrina, if somebody wants to reach out to you, 
What's the best way for them to do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Matt. So you can just search for Katrina McKinnon on LinkedIn. And it's also just copysmiths.com. Sounds good. And I appreciate you being on the show today, getting up early for us. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed Digital Marketing Masters. Check out our back catalog of episodes for more than 200 interviews with top digital marketers, authors, and productivity experts. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about more AI tactics and applications you can start using right now, just like me.